reading from the 17th chapter of the Gospel according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words, He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that He, the Son, may glorify You. Since You have given Him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made known your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And now... I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them. And not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and as I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, 
The world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The word of God for the people of God. Today we have heard some of Jesus' last words. They are quite famous last words. These words were so prized by Jesus' followers that they were eventually written down in this gospel nearly 60-something years later. They carried them around on their lips and in their hearts, and eventually John the Evangelist recorded them for us. So we would hear Jesus pray for us. The writer tells us that this book's purpose is that all of the words of it are written for us so that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that having believed that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, that we might have eternal life and be wrestled from the jaws of death so that we might have life in Jesus' name. And life is what we need most. More than anything, we need for God to wrestle us out of the jaws of sin and death and to set us free for that life. We need for Christ to set us free from sin and death. The systems of this world, the appetites of this world, the vain approvals of this world, and the selfish ambitions of this world that seek to destroy us, to chew us up and spit us out. We need for Christ to draw us away from our appetite for the things of this world, for the approval of others, and from our selfish ambitions. Our appetite for the things of the world and our desire for money and power. We are consumers, they say, who are being trained to buy, buy, and buy so that we might feel happy, so that we can fuel the system that keeps us captive by selling us on the idea that this car or this house or this Pop-Tart will make you happier than the one you had last week. It's new. It's improved. Buy something. We're being told that those things will give our lives meaning and truth. But Jesus knows that the temptations and systems and persecutions of this world are not all there is, that there's a different way of life that He is calling us to. A way of love, a way of joy, and a way of peace. Jesus is that way. And so before He prays for the disciples and us, He tells them, and these words are for us as well, in the world you will be persecuted, but take courage, I have overcome the world. The world will come to us and offer us things to satiate our appetites. It will give us ways to seek the approval of others and to fuel our own ambitions. But Christ wants us to know that those are just tricks to devour us, to persecute us. They lead to people being beheaded on beaches in faraway countries. To lifelessness and hurt. Jesus tells us to take heart that He has overcome the world. I wonder, why should we believe Jesus? The resurrection. 
It is, after all, the seventh Sunday of our celebration of Easter. Surely, somewhere in it, we should mention the resurrection. We believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead or we wouldn't be here. There are other more fun things to do than church. I've been told by a couple of my confirmation kids that church is boring, and I want to say you're right. But we're here because Jesus has been raised. And it's worth our time to hear that word of hope. Jesus has conquered the world system that crucified Him. The same system that seeks to crucify us. And if Christ has been raised, then surely we can believe in the victory of Christ over those systems. Surely we can believe that if Christ has been raised, then we too will be raised from our selfish desires and hurts and hopes and wants and things that serve ourselves. And if we believe that, we can receive Jesus' prayers, truth, and hope for us, that He is working in us to make us holy, to sanctify us, to set us apart from that world. To make us like Him. People who give ourselves for others. People who lay down self for others. People who live for others. If Jesus has been set free from death, surely God can set us free through Christ. To be free with Christ. To be one with Christ. To be one with each other. Rather than being connected to the wickedness, the greed, the selfishness, and the reckless conceit of this world that believes that it's above God. That it doesn't need some silly fault. Some silly idol to be happy. Because it can live in its own strength and wisdom. Jesus prays that we'll be connected to Him and one another for holiness. And get this, dear ones, for the glory of God. Not just for us. But for the glory of God, Jesus desires that we would be one with Him and one with each other. One in ministry to all the world, as our liturgy says. But truly, we do struggle. We struggle against appetite. We struggle against approval and ambition. These are the traits that the world seeks to elicit from us. To get us to buy into an economic system that doesn't care that children produce the pretty clothes that we wear and are underpaid. That doesn't care that we fuel our automobiles with oil that seeps through the ocean's floor and poisons fish everywhere. It gets us to turn a blind eye on things like Deepwater Horizon and approved drilling in Alaskan waters where we would never have a chance of getting there quickly enough to stem a leak. All in the interest of cheaper oil, cheaper gas. That system calls us to devour and devour and devour. To have more and more. You see that when people with a perfectly good smartphone stand in line for days and days to get an iPhone 6 because it's big and giant. Remember when they were all thinking they were important because it was little and small? We all bought little and small, so then they had to convince us we needed big and giant. And we thought that was just because we were getting older and couldn't see it anymore. But no, it's so that we'll buy it. Because that system needs us to act like batteries in a remote control car and keep it running. Listen, even in something as wholesome as fishing, that's the way it is. They put a professional fisherman in a boat, wrap his boat with decals of all these rod companies, and I want that rod. 
Because he caught that fish on that rod. And I will go buy it because I'm stupid. <laughs> and they convince me that I can't be happy without it. But they convince us that we can't be happy with many things. Many things that we know are destructive to us. How many times has your child asked you, Mommy, why is that woman smoking and she's pregnant? We know better, but the world elicits in us that response. We're being programmed, prompted, and plotted. Jesus says we're being persecuted. We're being sucked to death. Theologian, theologian G.K. Chesterton once said that there are two ways to get enough. The first way is to accumulate more and more. And the second way is to desire less. Comedian Stephen Wright said you can't have everything. Where would you put it? You can laugh now. You can't have everything. There's no room in for your life for all the things that you truly want because that space in your life is given for God. It's created for God. The reason you can't be happy with stuff is because stuff takes the place of God. We should not take our appetite for things lightly. We should be aware of it. We should be aware of the cost of it and the people that it hurts. And that's just one of those three A's of sin and death. Approval can be any difference. Think about all the ways that we try to seek the approval of others. Doing things with our peers that we wouldn't do otherwise. I was at a conference in March of pastors and church leaders. And the pastor at that conference, speaking to pastors in the room, to male pastors in the room especially, talking about accountability, called us to account for seeking approval of those to whom we preach. And he's right. Sometimes preachers preach words to keep people from getting mad at them. To get them to call the DS with a good report. Or to make sure the numbers look right at the end of the year. Even preachers can succumb to the devil that is approval of others. We might think that that's a small problem, but it's not. A very popular song right now on the radio and on YouTube is by a group called Echo Smith. It's called Cool Kids. It goes like this. I wish that I could be like the cool kids because the cool kids, they seem to fit in. Sarah wants to sing it. Go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> She's smiling. Think about how that resonates with our young people and they sing it and they sing it and they sing it and they sing it because that's how they feel. They feel left out. And the next thing you know, somebody says, well, you can fit in if you'll do this with us. And then they're off doing things that they know will be hurtful for them, all to seek approval of people who really don't care for them at all. And we might think that that's limited to children, but adults do it all the time. We are constantly seeking other people's approval. And we, even when we say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, we're saying that to someone that we want to congratulate us for our independence. And ambition. It's a slave driver. The most ancient of slave drivers. It causes us to work ourselves to death. 
I once heard a preacher say that he's never had a person on the deathbed complain about spending too much time with their children or about too much time with God. It's always been regret about spending all their time seeking after power and money. But appetite, ambition, and seeking the approval of others will steal our hearts and drive us and grind us till there's nothing left of us but death and crud. And Jesus knows that. He's praying for us to be of a different way. These are all instruments of death. And Jesus is praying for us to be set free from them. To find instead our purpose and meaning in Him. To be one in Him as He is in the Father. On a recent episode of Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman, there was a sociologist and physician on there who was talking about how we all exist in networks. We get plugged into a network of people and those people have a deep influence on us. Who we are, what we think, what we buy, what we do. Paul said the same when he said that bad company corrupts good morals, right? He was right. This sociologist says that people that we connect to, people that we are tied to dictate who we are. And when we find ourselves tied in circles of people who all they care about are stuff and having more and more stuff, no matter the cost, of getting the approval of others, no matter the cost, then we live in a system of death that will replicate itself in us. Until we no longer care about God or the things of God, the people of God, the hurting of this world, to where we can be so concerned about our own wealth that we can sit up like a person like Warren Buffett and chastise the poor for how they spend their money, meaning us, because compared to him, we're poor, because we don't want to give more taxes when he has enough money to feed every third world country in this world for a year. How dare he lecture me? And we get that way because we feed ambition. We feed our own appetites and we feed our desire to have the approval and respect of others because we have more junk. Because Malcolm Forbes told us that he who has the most toys wins. Malcolm Forbes is dead and has nothing now. Jesus is praying for us to be in a different kind of life. The only way that we can be saved from appetite, approval, and ambition is to have our bonds to them cut loose. That's what that sociologist says. The only way we can change who we are is to cut ourselves loose from those people who make us what we are and connect to new people. And today, Jesus is saying to us, connect to me! I'm love, I'm joy, and I'm peace. You can be free from sin and death. Jesus is calling us to be joined to a new network. To be joined to Christ and to Christ's body of the church. His prayer for us, for those first disciples and those of us, did you notice that he prayed for you? For all of you who would come to believe because of the word of Peter, of John, of all those other disciples, for you who would come to believe because of their words, Jesus prayed that you would be one with them and with Him for all eternity so that we can be separated from the wickedness and hurts of this world. 
Not that we would be taken out of the world, but that we would be connected in a way of love, of joy, and peace for the glory of God. For this purpose. So the world will look to us and find us so odd that they will believe that Jesus was sent by the Father. That they will look at our way of life and find it so different from what the world calls them to that they will believe that Jesus was truly sent by the Father. And so our Lord prayed for us. On the night He was taken, He prayed for us that we would be united in love and joy and peace to such a degree that the world would look at us and say, I believe there's a better way of life. I believe there's a better way, and His name is Jesus. He prayed for us, for that for us. That we would be set free from our ambitions, our appetites, and our need for approval and find rest in Him. To be His body in the world. He said, Father, the glory that You've given Me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and You in Me, that they may be completely one, so that the world may know that You have sent Me and have loved them even as You have loved Me. If all the world is left to hear are the words of the capitalist market, the words of people who write commercials, the words of people who write sitcoms, pundits on Fox and CNN and headline news, if all that the world is left to hear is those people, it will be trapped in that same system that once trapped us. So dear ones, let us love one another and seek to be joined in Christ so closely that they will hear a new voice. The voice of our Lord calling them to peace. That, dear ones, is Christ's prayer for us. May it be our prayer for ourselves. Amen.